0: Welcome to NFL Live. We are just 10 days away from the Lions and Chiefs to kick off the regular season. Can't wait from that. We had a great slate of preseason action over the weekend. We're going to react to it all, including Aaron Rodgers, who played a preseason game for the first time since 2018. Dan Orlowski has the little things you had to be paying attention to. They're going to make a difference this year. Plus, Cowboys traded for Trey Lance. That one seemingly came out of nowhere. We'll discuss what that means for both he and, of course, Prescott as well. Welcome to NFL Live. We've got a great crew here today. Dan Orlowski here in studio. we got Lewis Reddick. Adam Schefter will be joining us in just a bit. And Schefter's got some news. Earlier he talked about how the fact that Kyler Murray for the Arizona Cardinals is going to begin the season on the PUP list. Remember, the new rules for PUP means he is out for a minimum of four games. Of course, Murray coming off that ACL tear suffered back in week 14 of last regular season on Monday Night Football against the Patriots. Shefty also noted that the team has released veteran quarterback Colt McCoy, who I would have guessed would have been the starting quarterback for this franchise in week one of the NFL regular season against the Commanders. What do you make out of this news in Arizona Dan? In relation to Kyler
1: Murray, it's not all that unexpected coming off of the ACL that he was going to miss sometimes this year, and we'll see how long. But it's hard post the Kyler designation and then the Colt McCoy move not to start to look to the future for Arizona. We know that they're going to be a a team that's a little bit depressed when it comes to their talent. And to know that their starting quarterback, that's a big season for him, is going to miss at least four games. It makes me think of, are they already starting to look to 2024 and the potential quarterback of the future and who would be playing on Saturday afternoons in college?
2: Yeah, this is just... I mean, it's, it's not good. Look, and, look, and I, I understand the fact that when you're talking about Kyler, it, it's a legitimate injury. I mean, you're talking about something that happened late in the season, and it's a major injury, and he probably needs more time, and I understand that. And then when you look at it from a contractual standpoint, look, he just signed this contract a year ago. So it's not, and, you know, as of right now, I mean, you're talking about upwards of $85 million in terms of dead cap money if, if this was a situation where they were looking to go ahead and move on from him. Here in the future in the near term what so I don't really see that happening either and given all the other things that were surrounding Kyler Murray in terms of you know is he really a legit franchise quarterback does the rest of the league look at him as a legit franchise quarterback would someone want to take on someone you know with his characteristics and would they be willing to help out the Arizona Cardinals look I I don't that's way down the road. when you're looking at it in the context of this transaction here. But it is hard to not look at the fact that now you're moving into this season with Josh Dobbs and Clayton Toon and thinking that you're going to compete. You just It's just not even really realistic. And that's unfortunate, man, because we haven't even played a game yet. Yeah. And the Cardinals fans are having to look to 2024 more than likely. Well, if Caleb Williams is the prize at the end of the rainbow, it could be a
0: good thing. But I think it would be fascinating to find out, once Kyler Murray is healthy enough to play, does Arizona actually play him? Can he show that he can be a franchise-altering quarterback with the current roster in place? Or might the team think it's better to keep him on ice for a year and try to trade him this upcoming offseason? One of many stories we're going to be following. All regular season let's go to Indianapolis and perhaps Miami as the Colts have this deadline of tomorrow try to get a deal done to trade away Jonathan Taylor who has of course requested a trade and amongst the most interesting partners most interested partners I should say Miami Dolphins who seemingly have good running back depth to me but a team that is all in for this season And let's be clear Jonathan Taylor one of the best running backs in all of the NFL so Lewis what do you make of the Dolphins reported interest in Jonathan Taylor.
2: Look, I think they see many of the same things that we all see when we evaluate Jonathan Taylor on the football field, which is a guy who is a, he's a difference maker. And there aren't too many guys who you can legitimately say would take a team and be able to put them over the top in a very substantial way if they had, you know, there aren't many running backs that you could really characterize in that way, and Jonathan's one of those guys. And I think it's because of the fact that not only is he fantastic on the football field, we can all see that by looking at these highlights and watching his tape, but it's the way in which he conducts himself as a professional and the way in which he has lifted the play of everyone that he has been around since he's been in high school, on into in college at Wisconsin, and now at Indianapolis. The Dolphins recognize what he would bring to this football team, and make no mistake about it, he would make them absolutely lethal with his speed and power combination in the context of, context of that offense. So there's no – you know, you shouldn't wonder why Chris Greer is trying hard to strike a deal. I just find it ironic that a football team that right now – in the Indianapolis Colts that's questioning what his long-term value is, is now trying to extract maximum, maybe irrational value from him, mm. from another team in regards to a trade. That's just so, the irony is just so thick right there, it just makes you gag. But, I mean, nevertheless, I can understand why the, why the Miami Dolphins have made him a priority right now in terms of trying to acquire him. And I would chill, I would continue to try and put my foot... The floor as far as the pedal, putting you know, putting it down to the floor. If I'm Chris Greer trying to get this young man on my football team,
1: yeah, I think the deal gets done. As I sit I here so. today on yeah. Monday, I don't think it's going to get done. Lewis, you brought up a good point of like the context of his impact when it comes to this offense. So I go to the, the field in Miami and I say, well, Mike McDaniel, their offensive coordinator, offensive play caller, and head coach, like there's this tremendous horizontal stretch to defenses, both with their formations and their motions. And then if you take Jonathan Taylor as a player, What stands out to me is, like, his strength and explosion vertically. So, scheme-wise, you're going, we're going to stretch you sideline to Mm sideline and give you all these things to look at as a defensive player, Lewis, with these motions and whatnot and getting you to step sideline to sideline. And then you have this back that he bursts through holes at such a violent kind of pace. And you sit there and go, and that's why when I hear a guy like Lewis go, man, this vaults them over the top, I I sit there and kind of agree with it because – we often say, is it a fit? This yeah. isn't a fit. This is a schematic thriving mm. for Jonathan Taylor and the Miami
0: Dolphins. You know what's so interesting mm-hmm. is there are so many moves that fall into this category this offseason, but it's like, part of me is like, man, could, could Jonathan Taylor put the Dolphins over the top? Maybe. At the same time, in the AFC, like, they still have such a hurdle to climb over, even in their own division, can right? I, can I ask you a quick question about you know Jonathan Taylor? Yeah.
1: So we've seen Saquon Barkley and the Giants amend his contract, yep. and the same with Josh Jacobs in the, in the Raiders. Yeah. Is there the chance that the Colts are – are they
0: capable of doing it with Indy and Jonathan Taylor? They can do whatever they They want. They can do that. Yep, he's three years into his rookie deal, which makes him extension eligible, and there is absolutely no deadline. It could happen today. It could happen tomorrow. It could happen the day before free agency starts, if the Colts or the acquiring team would like to. Now we have Adam Schefter joining us here on NFL Live. And, Shefty, hopefully you've heard some of the conversation up to this point. But what more can you add about the Jonathan Taylor trade market right now, including the Dolphins' interest?
3: Well, the Dolphins have been interested, but I think the Colts right now are taking calls and slow playing this, even though there's a deadline tomorrow. I know that there's this breathless anticipation about where Jonathan Taylor's going. Right now, it doesn't seem like the Colts are close to making a deal with any of these teams. Now, saying that, it could change at any moment, Field, and something could come together and a trade could be made and consummated, but right now, at this moment, it doesn't seem that the Colts are close to a trade partner with Jonathan Taylor. Now, they've given him until Tuesday, tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern, to make a decision. And let's keep in mind, right now he's on the physically unable to perform list. They have to activate him by 4 p.m. Eastern tomorrow to have him available for the start of the season. So if he doesn't get traded, is Jonathan Taylor going to be healthy enough in his own mind To start this season out and play with a team that he clearly wants to move on from, (laughs) Mm -hmm. there's a lot that both sides have to sift through here in the next 24 or so hours. But right now, as this moment, it doesn't seem like they're close to a resolution.
0: It sort of feels like to me we need a uh, Jonathan Taylor clock here on NFL Live, 23 hours and 52 we'll be minutes on tomorrow. if math is correct. Can't wait to see what happens over the next 23-plus hours. Let's get to Aaron Rodgers, who played in a preseason game. How about that? First time since 2018, things went pretty well, actually. Rodgers said he had some butterflies, but the new Jets quarterback went 5 for 8, 47 yards, plus a touchdown in his two series. Here's Rodgers. Take, take that back. We're going to hear from Aaron Rodgers. And then we decided, you know what? Why hear from Aaron Rodgers when we can hear from Dan Orlovsky instead? Small sample size, but what stood out to you if you well, break down the tape?
1: It's not what stood out to me necessarily. Okay. We had C.J. Uzama, their tight end on this morning, yeah. and just talking about the impact of Aaron Rodgers on everybody on their football team and what he's taken away from having Aaron in their locker room and in their huddle and how Aaron individually in his experience has made them better.
4: I mean, there was that clip of, of Hard Knocks where he's like, 34, you're not coming. You got to back up. And it, it, I'm like, how do? How are you looking at that? And how do you know that? And he's like, well, I looked at the other safety. The other safety had to tell. And so I knew that, you know, 34 was going to end up going back. And I'm in my head, I'm thinking to myself, I was just looking at my assignment. And I was looking at who I was going to have to beat if it's man to man. I wasn't looking at each individual person, what each individual person was giving away. So it's really just kind of looking at the defense as a whole as opposed to, you know, usually for me, I'm, I'm in Sam safety. Now I'm looking at in Sam safety, maybe the three tech, maybe if it's a shade, maybe if it's the mic, what's the backside safety doing? What's the corner doing? Just I'm looking at the entire defense as a whole now and being like, oh, nice. It's going to be, maybe this is going to be a cover three or maybe they're going to roll to two high structure and just things like that. It's, it really is, it slows the game down immensely and it makes it a lot more fun.
1: And, and hearing C.J. talk and watching Saturday night, I phrase it as doing the elementary with excellence. This is called a okay. now up tied to Garrett Wilson, okay? The two things that stand out, one, the ball wants to be thrown about at or one yard in front of the line of scrimmage and two, on his left shoulder right. so he gets the momentum. Get the That's a very right? simple play, absolutely, but he gets it there. Second of all, all these rushers up in the line of scrimmage, what does Aaron do? That ball fake and the peek back side gets them to commit to the run, and he knows he can't continue to boot out but kind of drop back vertically to make sure that he's away from those defenders to get the ball out. Here's another example. Look, at, Aaron has the snap. He's peaked the backside defensive end. Why? To make sure he's not going upfield. Now he gets on that bootleg. The first thing he does is flip his eyes around to find that defensive end. Again, for the second time, Mm. a dump off to Miko Hardman, and then the touchdown. It's the same play as I showed the first time. But Aaron's looking at going, okay, it's not an off corner, it's a press corner. Watch what he does when he gets the snap. You see how he kind of shuffles, shuffles. He's giving Garrett time at the line of scrimmage to win, and then Garrett's late hands there to pull the ball away from the defensive back. Those are four plays. You're going to watch those plays in youth football this weekend. You'll watch them in high school football. They are elementary plays. But when they're executed at an excellent level because of all the little things he's learned from, it's not just him the impact that he is going to have on everybody on their offense and not just the like the, the box score, but the way that he'll allow them to, to operate those plays for their own results. Yeah. It's hard to quantify for everybody at home the levels that will be raised when it, comes to, when
0: it comes to the offensive performance by all in New York. Okay, so you broke down some of the small things. But that touchdown, that looked kind of familiar, didn't it? That's very Devontae Adams-like right there. I, I'm not trying to go there, but no, I just absolutely. went there because it might be merited by about <laughs> halfway through the season with the way that Garrett Wilson has been performing this preseason. Uh, Shefty, let's get to the Jets' offensive line. It has been a question mark, maybe the only question mark, around this team this offseason. What's the latest change there?
3: Well, Robert Saul announced that they're going to start Makai Becton, their former first-round traffic, at right tackle. And the Jets have been waiting and hoping – that he could turn into the type of player he was during his rookie year. They need him to be out there. He is the biggest guy on the team. Mm. He sends a certain message just in appearance alone. And if he could elevate his play and perform like he has this preseason, that would be a big boost to an offensive line that has been questioned by its own head coach during hard knocks, by all the critics out there, everybody wondering if this offensive line can hold up. But all of a sudden, If Mekhi Becton can play at a first-round pick level, you look around and you say, well, they actually have some talent along the offensive line. Maybe this line can be better than people Mm. thought. But this is the start. I think that they've made him feel comfortable. Aaron Rodgers has welcomed and embraced him, and it's lifted his confidence and spirit to the point where they're comfortable right now with him starting at right tackle.
2: Yeah, it's always been the question, right? It's always been the question about just how secure they were going to be on the edges with Dwayne and Mackay, and not whether or not they can last just week one, but can they last week two, three, four, five, all, all right. the way up to week 18? That's the issue, because inside out, look, they're strong on the inside <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. They're, they're gonna be fine with Vera Tucker and Tomlinson inside. And whether it's Tittman who winds up being center or McGovern, they're gonna be fine with the interior three. It's always gonna be about the edges where they're gonna able where they're gonna be able to be secured. Because let's let's be blunt about it. I mean, last year, this is a team that was in the bottom quarter of the league and run block and pass block win rate. That's just not gonna be good enough. It's not gonna be. I don't care what you've got on the perimeter or how much Aaron can mitigate some of the deficiencies that they have at offensive tackle at some point in time he would start to get hit if these guys aren't able to hold up and they aren't able to play at a high level if they are this is a very dangerous football team but those two guys are the key no mistake about it
0: the offensive line certainly an essential part of a good offense the jets are trying to find their right five here as we get just closer and closer that, that 13 days, 14 days of so the Jets' regular season debut in week one. Get ready. We are just getting started here on NFL Live. I can't do math, but C.J. Stroud has officially been named the Texans quarterback. Stick around to hear why his preseason performance has our analysts excited for what's to come. Plus, after naming Trey Lance their third string quarterback, the 49ers have now traded him to the Dallas Cowboys. Find out why Dan thinks this is the right move for the 49ers, but for the Cowboys, he's not convinced yet.
6: Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be.
0: The 54th season of Monday Night Football kicks off September 11th with Josh Allen on the Bills squaring off against Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Plus, Lisa Salters and John Perry are back for their second season, 80s from 5 Pacific on ABC, ESPN, ESPN Deportes and ESPN+. Plus. And Peyton Neely are back for their third season on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Plus. Coverage begins with Scott Van Pelt in the new look, Monday Night Countdown through at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific. All right, Jeff. we have had some news last night from the Houston Texans, but more can tell us about their new starting quarterback. Well, Field, the
3: head coach, D'Amico Ryans, announced that C.J. Stroud, to the surprise of nobody, is going to wind up starting opening day for the Tennessee Titans uh, for the Houston Texans at Baltimore. And so that makes it all three rookie quarterbacks picked in the top four selections. Bryce Young at one, C.J. Stroud at two, Anthony Richardson at four, all starting opening day. These teams are wasting no time getting their rookies in action, and clearly D'Amico Ryans Feels like he's seen enough from CJ Stroud to put him out there on opening day. And yes, there will be growing pains, but they know that he's demonstrated enough growth, enough improvement right now that they feel comfortable to start him over Davis Mills, put him out there against the Ravens. And there'll be good moments for CJ Stroud and there'll be tough moments. Not easy being a rookie quarterback, but CJ Stroud obviously now in line
0: to start for the Houston Texans. You know what, Shefty? Texans fans have been waiting a long time for some quarterback excitement. They now have it with C.J. Stroud. He did struggle in his debut in the preseason against the Patriots. Through interception and averaged roughly three yards per pass. However, he did improve over the next two weeks, capped off by his touchdown pass in last night's preseason finale. After being pressured on 60% of his pass attempts in the preseason opener, Stroud was pressured on just 13% of his attempts over the last two weeks. Dan, you've been watching every snap from C.J. Stroud. What do you think of what you've seen so far? That if
1: the Houston Texans can protect him, okay. they can throw it around the yard, man. Mm. And, and that's probably the most encouraging takeaway is you draft this young man of Ohio State and he looks like the guy that you drafted out of Ohio State. You know, Right, right. I mean, in the last two weeks, there's been play throws that were perfect. There's one of them. This ball to Nico ball last Collins, time. which Die. was his first throw of the night. I mean, that's a perfect go route. Yeah. This throw to... Their tight end, Dalton Schultz, on third and two. The location is perfect. The touchdown pass to Nico Collins is perfect. I go back to week two of the preseason, the throw on the run to the right. It's perfect. The out route to Robert Woods to the left. It's perfect. And so, I think that's got to be such a reassuring takeaway for Houston and Bobby Slowick, their offensive coordinator. If we protect them, we can throw it around the yard. Mm. And that is just the start for C.J. Stroud in Houston.
2: Yeah, what, what's mind-blowing to me sometimes, Dan, is that when we evaluate these quarterbacks and talk about these quarterbacks in terms of their development, like, after week one of the preseason when he was in Houston, I mean, when they were playing the New England Patriots, and the Patriots got after him pretty good, Yeah. I mean, there, there was, like, conversation about, well, you know what, this guy, maybe he wasn't as good as people said. Just yes. typical Ohio State quarterback. Now you see why Bryce Young was drafted number one overall. It's like, man, are you kidding me? It's one game in the preseason. What he is showing you right now is how this young man is built and how, it number one, individually, and then collectively, how when it all starts coming together, protection gets better, the chemistry between him and wide receivers get better, his comfort in, in the context of the offense gets better, his confidence in his footwork, his delivery, what he's seeing all gets better. It all starts to stack. It all starts to build. Now, obviously, week one of the regular season, he's probably going to get knocked back down, and you're going to have to start again. There's going to be different looks. There's going to be things you haven't seen. You're Mm going to take some lumps. You're going to throw some picks. You're going to miss some throws. But what he's showing you is my arc is going to look like this. Mm. That's what it's going to look like. That's why they drafted me number two overall. So let's just slow down and let him go ahead and shine because he's going to shine. He is definitely going to shine. I'm, I couldn't be happier with the way things are going for D'Amico yeah. Ryans in the Houston Texans. Finally, some excitement yeah. for the Houston Texans. They draw the Ravens in week one, so quite a test coming out
0: of the gates there for C.J. Stroud. Hey, coming up here on NFL Live, Jerry Jones saw the opportunity to trade for Trey Lance, and he took it, but he didn't consult Dak Prescott or Mike McCarthy before the deal. Lewis gives us, gives us his front office perspective on how this trade went down.
6: Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
5: Former number three overall pick
0: Trey Lance was traded to the Cowboys. That's right. Happened on Friday. This happened the 49ers named Sam Darnold, their backup quarterback, ahead of Lance. The Cowboys sent a fourth-round pick in 2024 to the Niners. Jeffy, on my team that I thought could make a play for Trey Lance list, uh, the the Cowboys were really not there. So why were they so eager to go trade for Trey Lance?
3: I think Jerry Jones is always looking to accumulate quarterbacking talent. And when he became available for a price of a fourth-round pick, I think Dallas felt like the value was too great to pass up for a player that they once had a second-round grade on. And so they add him to the mix And obviously, they'll be moving on from Will Greer. And I think Trey Lance will be the number three in Dallas this upcoming season, with Dak Prescott being the starter and Cooper Rush, who signed an extension this offseason, serving as the two. With Trey Lance working and growing and hoping to improve in the Dallas offense and in the system. He's got two years left on the contract. He's got a fifth year option. Let's keep in mind that Dak Prescott next year is scheduled to make $59 million. So maybe they think, hey, we try to grow Trey Lance. Maybe he turns into something. Maybe he doesn't. If he doesn't and leaves, we get back a comp pick anyway. So we'll roll, roll the dice on him for a few years and see what we have in Trey Lance, who obviously went number three overall.
0: You know, Shefty, one of the great parts about when the Cowboys do something significant is that Jerry Jones is going to tell you exactly why and how it went down. He was quite transparent about how this deal came together.
6: Did anybody in the organization give Dak a heads up that this was coming down?
5: No. Uh, we uh, 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 we didn't tell anybody until we did it, period. There was nobody that knew it. I, we told Mike after we'd done it. And you have uh, but, but my point is, we just wanted to get it done. I can't
3: say that I necessarily expected it, no. Um, I understand that that's business. I understand that they're probably on a timeline. They need to get some done. And as I said, he felt like that strengthened this team. To be honest with you, I'm not surprised by anything anymore. Uh, you've been in this league eight years, been on this team.
0: Uh, it's hard to say that I was surprised to be honest with you. That's some candor right there, Dan. Does it matter to you that Jerry Jones didn't tell Dak <laughs> Prescott before he made this trade? Absolutely. Or Mike McCarthy for that matter. Why not? Why would you not tell them? I mean, the time is of the essence, but
1: uh, uh, how you, you take five minutes to go tell your head coach and your I was starting quarterback. Right. So yeah. So the, the contextual or the, or the context of the situation for me is everything. I, I can appreciate the addition of Trey Lance. I think you know, football and business-wise, it makes sense for Dallas to do that. Yeah. In relation to Dak Prescott, two things. One, he's coming off of this, the worst season of his career. 17 interceptions if you include the playoffs. He's missed 17 games the last three years. Okay. The last two playoff losses, they've scored a total of 29 points, and he's got $60 million due next year to Shefty's point. So, there's a lot floating around the big year for Dak Prescott pressure. Yeah. The second thing is and I said this a lot today. When you start playing quarterback as a kid, I don't care what age, one of the things that you learn early on is leadership. They'll follow. The team will follow you. You're the leader. I'll take ownership. And you take years of develop, developing that, right, and to the point where it becomes very personal to you. It, there, there's no position in sports like it. right? There's multiple positions on the football field that everyone but quarterback. And so when you make a decision that is going to directly impact the day-to-day work life of your starting quarterback – you absolutely owe it to that person just as simple, hey, we're making, I'm not asking you for permission. We're doing this because I get to make that decision just as a heads up because it's going to impact the way he goes about his job mm. or on a day-to-day basis. That's why I sit there and I go, I have no idea if you're the Dallas Cowboys understanding everything about the situation, how you don't at least give him and the head coach a heads up.
2: I'm no body language reading expert okay so but when Jerry answered these questions if you noticed he was very what there was no laughter I'm not he wasn't joking with the reporters he was like yeah I did it and no I didn't tell him which to me this is just my opinion this was calculated I didn't tell him because I don't have to tell him And number two you know what Regardless of everything that Dan just said, and I agree 100% with it, because in my time in Philadelphia, Andy Reid, we, re- we acquired Michael Vick when we still had Donovan McNabb, okay? Andy wasn't about doing things like that. He didn't keep anything from anybody, especially the biggest of transactions. He let everyone know, I'm going to handle it, yeah. and I'm going to the, I'm gonna talk to the parties involved personally. Because he always emphasized relationships. And I'm not saying Jerry Jones doesn't have a relationship with Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott. But you're, but Dan is absolutely right. When you are acquiring a guy who was the number third pick overall just two years ago at quarterback, mm. you're not acquiring some washed-up guy who you're just hoping maybe could like give Dak a few snaps if, that, if something happened to him or has insurance. You're talking about a guy who, depending upon where you fall on the evaluation you know, spectrum, You're talking about a guy who some people felt could be a franchise quarterback like myself, or some people thought, well, you know what? He didn't play a whole lot of uh, football in college, and he just needs more time, which he still falls into that camp. We still don't know who Trey Lance really is. Absolutely. And no one can tell me otherwise. You don't know. And he has a super high upside. He also could have a super low floor relative to where he was drafted, which we've already figured out. One team down, right? He's on his second team now. But there's no way you can tell me Jerry didn't know what he was doing when he didn't tell his franchise quarterback and his head coach, we're acquiring a guy who is very highly thought of at the most important position of the team when our franchise, our own franchise quarterback is coming off of a year in which Dan just articulated. And, and- there's no way you're not going to tell me that's not, that's not calculated. And he didn't do it for a reason. I don't know what that reason is, but something tells me it's to say, hey, look, man, let's go. See, I agree with Let's that. Let's go. This is a big year for us. It's a big year for you, Mike. It's a big year for you, Dak. Mm. It's a big – and I don't have to tell you anything. Yeah. You just know it's a big year, period. I agree with everything
1: that Lewis is saying, and I don't think either of us disagree that this was a smart move for Dallas when it comes to acquiring a certain player for the cost. Right. But I've heard this said today. He's a right. backup quarterback. Of He's a third string. There's no threat to Dak Prescott. No, it's not. This is a guy that three years ago was the number three pick in the NFL draft. Mm. This time last year was the starting quarterback at a team that went into an NFC championship game. This is a guy that, to Shefty's report a couple minutes ago, this football team and organization, Dallas Cowboys, if I heard it correctly, had a second-round grade on. I'm not disagreeing that this makes your football team better. What I'm sitting there saying is, coming off of last year, when your own players on your football team – Verbally, dis- uh, verbally state how the turnovers hurt them in the playoffs. Yeah, And then your head coach talks about running the football more. Yeah. And your owner says, your guy got to turn the football over less. They open up with the, both New York teams to start this season. Yeah. If Could you imagine now, because of this and not notifying them, 0 and two. if you start 0-2 mm-hmm. and, and the quarterback doesn't play great, yeah. now you're just bringing noise. Yeah. Instead of sitting there going, we're good. Dak's going to turn around. He's going to get better. This is a big week. It's going to be answering questions. And to Lewis's point about Jerry Joe's body language, I was watching Dak answer that being like, seriously, I've got to answer this right now because I, I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, That's
2: my I point. It's feel, just You feel bad yeah. for Dak in that moment. Because you, know, right? you know what, Dan? You, you, know what, you know what he has to do? Now Dak has to fill in the blanks because yes. Jerry didn't fill them in for him. Yeah. Like, what does, the, like, what does this mean? What does it mean if I throw a pick? Yeah. What What else are they talking about that, you know, look, I thought it was supposed to be an open-door type of situation. I'm right. the franchise guy. Right. Right, yeah. That's what everybody tells me. Yeah. Right? And, and maybe I still am, but, you know, with the franchise guy comes a certain level of communication that not everybody else gets. We all know this. Yeah. Right. Chef we know this, the, yeah. that the quarterbacks get certain things that everyone else
0: doesn't get. Yeah. Well, t- totally. And, and, Chef, you already mentioned the, the cap hit for Dak Prescott in 2024. 59-plus million dollars. There's no way he will play on a 50, $59 million cap hit next year, which means that one way or another, 2023 is a very important season for Dak Prescott, all of a sudden in a way that we did not previously realize. There's so much more we can talk about with this trade. We'll move on, because still to come here on NFL Live, Trevor Lawrence has looked promising this preseason. And with a new weapon in Calvin Ridley, this Jaguars offense is one to keep an eye on. Stay tuned to hear why Dan likes most, or what he likes most, about Duvall's new deal.
6: Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets pizza, better because it has to be.
0: ESPN Fantasy Football is the number one fantasy game, and with the season right around the corner, get your league started now at ESPN.com slash football. Back here at NFL Live, and Tom, for some more top stories with Shefty. And Shefty, let's begin in Arizona with some Kyler Murray news. Yeah.
3: The big news out of the desert today, Field, is that the Cardinals plan to leave Kyler Murray on the physically unable to perform list, which means he can't play the first four games of the season while he recovers from his torn ACL. The team also released veteran quarterback Colt McCoy, which means that Joshua Dobbs or rookie fifth-round pick Clayton Toon is in line to start opening day at Washington. Meanwhile, Nick of the 49ers, Holdout defensive end still is not in camp. Training camp is over. The regular season now is under two weeks away. No signs of Bosa. No signs of any progress right now. We'll wait to see if the two sides can figure out a deal. The 49ers know that he'll be training on his own. But still, you want to have this deal done before the season. And right now, it's not close. Same thing with Chris Jones. The two sides have not even been communicating as of this past weekend. And the Chiefs open their season early, a week from Thursday, at home against the Detroit Lions. And if things hold up the way they are right now, they're going to be without Chris Jones in that game and maybe potentially others. He's been a vital part of that defense. But if the two sides aren't even talking and aren't negotiating, very difficult to get a deal
0: done then, Field. And over a million-dollar sacrifice for each game missed, Shefty, if he is indeed not available for mm. week one. Lewis, how concerned are you about this Chris Jones holdout in Kansas City?
2: Yeah, a lot. Like a million dollars a game worth of concern, man. Yeah. That's a lot of cash, Field. Must be nice. Look, this is their, their second-best player on... no kidding and he said look I can afford it that's why he would hold out that's what he told someone who asked him that question and look you know this is their best player on the football team not named Patrick Mahomes and I know people say nah it's Travis Kelsey no Chris Jones is the best player on this team other than their quarterback and he is the guy who last year down the stretch week 18 against the Raiders on into the playoffs AFC title game you see he closed out the game right there against against the Cincinnati Bengals he terrorizes people and the fact that him and Charles O'Manahou would not be there for the first couple of games of the year, it'd be devastating to this defense. They've yeah. got to get him in there.
0: Yeah, O'Manahou, of course, serving a six-game suspension to begin the season for the Chiefs. Let's stay in the AFC with the Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence had an impressive preseason, which was highlighted by his connection. With that new target, Calvin Ridley, Lawrence completed all five of his passes to Ridley this preseason, averaging over 14 yards per attempt on those throws. Touch screen. Dan is my favorite version of Dan. What have you seen this preseason from Calvin Ridley and Trevor Lawrence? When's the ball come out of the quarterback's hands? I think that's one of the things when it comes
1: to these quarterback wide receiver duos that we don't talk about enough because for me, that tells me how much the quarterback actually trusts the wide receiver. Calvin Ridley at the bottom of the screen screen is going to run an out route. Now for us quarterbacks, this is a timing out. We need to have the ball out of our hands right when the wide receiver is starting to make his turn to make and get into his route. Now Trevor Lawrence is doing that. You can see he's starting to make that throw. As this corner's driving on Calvin Ridley, look he is just getting to the top of his stem and starting to turn his head back to the football. What that equal? Anticipation and accuracy. That ball is absolutely perfect from quarterback to wide receiver. That's earlier in the game. Now we go to just a little bit later in the game. That's to the right. Now we go to the left. This is Calvin Ridley. We're going to get that same out concept. Trevor Lawrence, when does the football come out of your hands in relation to where Calvin Ridley is? There's Trevor Lawrence starting to pull the trigger on the football. Calvin Ridley just starting to get to the top of his stem and peek back for the ball. What does that equal? Timing, anticipation, and accuracy. That is a beautiful throw and catch from Trevor Lawrence to Calvin Ridley. Why does this matter, Dan? Because. This is a play that is the difference for Trevor Lawrence right now. Okay, so I just showed you all those out routes, right? This time, Calvin Ridley's going to run a little out and up. Now, there's a little issue with protection because Jacksonville's going to take their center, right guard, and right tackle, and they're going to kick them to the right. What that's going to do is that leaves three guys backside defensively, but it leaves only two guys backside offensively, left guard and left tackle. That means if two guys come from the defense, we're totally fine. If three guys come, we're technically hot. Now, here comes these three defenders. The left tackle is going to squeeze. That means Bradley Chubb is going to be an unblocked defender. Now, Trevor Lawrence could technically take the tailback to the flat right now. But guys, I just told everybody at home, we got a double move at the bottom of the screen. When you call a double move, you want to take it. Watch what Trevor Lawrence or when Trevor Lawrence throws his football. As he's getting hit by Bradley Chubb, that defensive back is five yards past downfield still of Calvin Ridley. You want to see what trust looks like? You have to have such inherent belief that your wide receiver is going to go make a play on that football to have that defensive back beating that wide receiver by five yards down the field. And then the thrown catch is absolutely perfect between Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley. To me, when we're talking about these quarterback and wide receiver duos, that's the definition of it. When does the ball come out of your hands? Because that tells me how much you actually trust that guy to be exactly where you expect him to be. And when the
0: ball's in the air,
1: you know that it's only his. It's either going to be in his hands
0: yeah. or it's going to hit the ground. That's a great tape right there. Great Thanks, tape right there involving Cal Ridley-Lewis. This team is feeling like one of those squads that even with all their improvement last year could just be on the beginning portion of their rise. How much, what's the ceiling for the Jaguars this season?
2: Oh, it, it, the ceiling to me is Final Four. I mean, they, they have a ceiling where they could get to the, NFC, the AFC title game. They should win their division running away. And this is a team where really that Calvin Ridley-Trevor um, Lawrence combination should be the best new duo in the NFL by far. Yeah. Calvin Ridley, hmm. before he was suspended, was maybe arguably a top one or two uh, route runner in the NFL, yeah. period. People just forget because he was playing down in Atlanta, and you know he just wasn't in a big market, wasn't getting a lot of attention. This guy is the truth. Okay, and he's going to show you this year, and this offense is going to show you this year, the Jags are not to be played with, man. They're for real. They sure are. We cannot wait to see how they fare in the AFC South this
0: season. Coming up next, Jordan Love certainly has his work cut out for him in his first season as the Packers starter, but does he have enough around him to succeed? Dano breaks down what he likes from the young quarterback this season. Stay tuned. You won't want to miss it. It is back.
3: Action on the field. A season ready to erupt. This is what college
2: football is supposed to be. Is
1: that uh? Is that Darius Rucker?
0: That is legit. Well, Aaron Rodgers impressed in his Jets preseason debut. Jordan Love continues to look good for the Packers. Love said after his third preseason appearance. He wanted to just go out there and feel comfortable. Dan, what have you seen so far? Well, I guess not so far. What did you see from Jordan Love in the preseason? Well, what I liked in the preseason, the first two games, it was about playing in, like,
1: I don't want to call it perfection, but what it looks like on paper. Mm -hmm. And then what I was encouraged about coming off of this past week in games was there was a couple plays that it wasn't perfect for him. And he had to kind of allow the talent to create. Drop back pass concept. Okay. Nobody's open, right? We haven't seen this I'll for him cover, yet. Yeah. I love the pocket movement, the eyes downfield. And then look at this throw to Christian Watson, who keeps crossing. Pocket movement, climb up, drift, drift through his left. Have you ever right seen right this in Green day. Bay? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Cross the body two feet off the ground. Yeah. I'm not saying he's the same guy, but that's what you were hoping it would look like. And then the perfect throw, I well. PBU, right? But yeah, that nice equals play. PI, where we get a flag. Then again, quick game. No one's open. Yeah. All right, so what do we do, Jordan Love? Like, it's not how it's drawn up. The creativity to get outside the pocket, the stiff arm, and then a throw downfield that is just off between a connection between him. Now you get an inside linebacker pressure. You got to see the receiver crossing from the left side of the screen. He's got vision to work away from that defender number 35. Jordan Love, I need two things. Throw with the hand near the football, and then two, put it on number 11's left shoulder to pull him away from that driving zone defender. Bang, perfectly. So, I just love the fact that we saw a little bit of that from him this yeah. past weekend. And I think it'll be really interesting to watch the first four weeks of the season. Because week one against Chicago, Matt Eberflus and Alan Williams are going like, to disguise coverages galore on the back end. Everything's mm-hmm. going to look cloudy and muddy. Then week two, it's Atlanta. Bombs away. Star Wars defenses. Let's see how you handle all this stuff. And then week three and four, New Orleans in Detroit, they're kind of running the same defenses. So if he can survive those first two weeks, he gets back-to-back stuff schematically-wise that are relatively similar. So I'm just interested to see how it plays out for Jordan when it comes to playing some of those unique defenses.
2: Yeah, I'm excited for Jordan Love, man. I'm I'm excited for this football team because – the youth that is all coming up together right now. Sure. It's almost like a like a prize freshman, like two classes of college football recruits coming in all together. You know, last year's rookie guys, and you know, when you're talking about Watson and Romeo Dobbs and then all the young pass catchers that they brought in this year, they're all learning together. They're all growing together. Wait till they let's just see how they go through these first five weeks and then they hit that bye. Cause I think this this is gonna be a second half football team. This is gonna be a second half football team where if they hit this right, if Brian Goodickens, the general manager has, has hit this right. This football team is set because they have playmakers galore. If it's just going to become about three years from now, four years from now, which ones can we keep and which ones do we have to let go because they have outplayed what we can afford to pay them. Because, and then I really do believe that obviously Jordan Love is going to be the catalyst for all of this. And he has shown tremendous uh, maturity, tremendous development that's really kind of like just flying under the radar right now. I don't know what people really expect of this guy on a national scale. But I'm telling you, I had this feeling that once we get to the halfway point, three-quarter point of the season, Green Bay's going to be on to something here.
1: Jordan Love, think about this. For a first-year starter, how rare it is to step into a place that you know top five offensive line. Yeah. Like the, the, the comfort, not only for him, but for Matt LaFleur knowing you can do so much offensively because you feel pretty darn good about how good that protection unit is going to be up front. That is just such a benefit for Jordan Love. Yeah, they have Big been, time.
0: They have been awesome. I know it's just the preseason. Sure. But the offensive line has been nasty all of preseason. What a great group they've got formed.
1: There. All right, babyface. Yes, sir. For everyone at home, this is Field's last day, at least as the full time support for Laura Rutledge's away from maternity. Back tomorrow. Let's go. So, a lot of us at NFL Live wanted to send you off in the proper way. And when it comes to a full time host role, right. we're very thankful for everything that you did throughout this summer and it's not only for me but everyone on the crew take take a look at this video <laughs>
6: Field, what's up, my man? Field, or should I say baby face?
2: Baby face, what's up, my
4: brother? Bro, you did an excellent job, as you always do. Don't miss the hell out of your brother in that host chair for NFL Live.
3: You got your run the same way Alexander Madison did for Dalvin Cook, the same way Rashad Penny did for <laughs> Kenneth Walker, and you, my friend, made it count. You're absolutely incredible. A developing story, Field Yates' wife Chapin, is due with the couple's second child Thursday but could go into labor any time now
0: no no no, no just kidding
3: just kidding not
0: yet not yet your
3: professionalism
2: your poise your football knowledge is incredible
3: you shine you start and you prove that there is no assignment too big for you I mean
6: you look at those muscles that beard Oh, wait, We don't have none of those (laughs) 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 things. No one (laughs) told me about that.
1: You are one of the best people
6: I've ever met. Our own Field Yates uh, is a proud papa. This is is Palmer Duke Yates, born on Friday, I believe, during NFL Live. Really what stands out most is just how you feel like you're a part of our family. You're always part of our NFL
1: Live family. You know you're part of the family forever, brother. Love you. Peace
0: am not supposed to be able to finish up the show now? <laughs> um, I know we don't have much time here. I will just offer this. Uh, the NFL Live, uh, this crew has taken off and the show has been an immense success over the past couple of seasons. What people need to know is it's not an accident. It's not just the people you see on the screen. It's the people you see behind it. No crew works harder and pours their heart and soul more into a show than the people do here at NFL Live. It has been an honor to be in this chair and I can tell you this, I'm looking forward to Laura Rutledge being back tomorrow because she is the queen of this show. Can't wait to see you guys tomorrow. Laura, back in her seat. Thank you. you. Love you guys.